0: Give me time
1: to realize my Dog oh, My name is Conrad alongside my friend Fox and this is the 87th episode of Space Spinner 2000. Uh... A podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own Galaxy's Greatest Comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This week, we're taking a break from our usual weekly progs to cover 2080 annual 1983. Aw,
0: oh, damn. Yeah. I'm, enjoying a, I'm enjoying a fine Australian Chardonnay, a Chilean
1: Chardonnay. Whoa. So, as always, annuals are dated for the year after they come out. And this is the 6th 2080 annual. Increasingly, we're seeing these annuals feature writing and art by mainline creative teams. And with filler material being, like, classic 2080 thrills. Instead of all those, like, weird legacy comics. Um, Not hated
0: whatsoever. Well... I mean, I guess they could have chosen like a better invasion and a better Mach One, but you know, you know, yeah, let, no, no, I'm not, hating it, I'm yeah, not hating it because it's not garbage. Let's it's let's, not let's like make random high random from yeah. like 1940.
1: Totally, let's make high pitched excuses later on. <laughs> I I will I will
0: definitely make high pitched excuses.
1: So the uh, this so the 2080 annual is once again a little cheaper than the uh, shorter Judge Dread annual at a. Mm. And it a, a costs about a two pounds fifty, though that's way up from one pound ninety five last year.
0: <sighs> yeah,
1: inflation, I blame inflation, I guess. Yeah,
0: I mean you could say that, but like two pence fifty or whatever you said with words. I mean that'll get you like a couple of Willy Wonka chocolate
1: bars. Maybe we'll get
0: that sweet, sweet golden
1: ticket. As always, I blame Thatcher. Um, Anyhow... (laughs) (laughs) Boom! (laughs) Political shots fired. Uh, 35 Um, years ago, political shots. Yeah, so this is the... uh so the cover features Rogue Trooper, Johnny Alpha, and Wolf, and of course Judge Dredd, all drawn by Brian Bolland. It's the first cover in three years without Tharg on it, and he actually won't be back until the '88 cover. Uh, the inside, oh shit, really? Yeah, he just sort of you know takes a break from the cover of the annual for a little bit, though he's still you on no the inside cover. Yeah, we have him riding in armor, riding an awesome space wyvern. Woo! Speaking of awesome space wyverns, Conrad.
0: I wanted to give uh, a quick shout out to some awesome people of our own. Like uh I know that, that uh we're close close cousins with uh with Mega City Book Club. Yeah. Um especially Eamon. Like that dude is awesome. Super nice guy. Like, God, if you are listening to our podcast and you're not listening to Mega City Book Club, you're really doing yourself a disservice. Eamon is maybe one of the most, like, nicest
1: people Yeah, to he's a great to. guy. Absolutely. Well, no,
0: I, I mean, like, I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of people get super negative, And Eamon is this, like, really positive... Guy, when it comes to something he's excited about. And this, uh, at least this last episode that I listened to, I'm not sure if uh, by the time this comes out, if there will be more, but uh, Eamon actually had uh, a friend of the show, Jake, on um, to talk about Stainless Steel Rat, which is. Yeah. Uh- Totally, and uh, they give us a good shout out, and I, I just wanted to shout back at them, like, hey guys, we love you. But also to Eamon and to the Greater 2000 AD forums, I apparently can't reply to things <laughs> on the forums. Uh, there is no reply button, even though I'm logged in. I've I've asked for help, and hopefully I will resuscitate. But I will. I I did want to say that um, if you if you haven't seen knobs and Broomsticks, and you are British, or fuck if you're American, <laughs> or if you're something, um, you you really you really need to see knobs and Broomsticks. It's like this this Disney classic treasure that's out there. And even I'm I'm really glad you knew what I was talking about. <laughs> and you're like my special friend, and also I love you, and uh, be my best friend forever.
1: Wow, you gotta get on Mega <laughs> City Book Club, buddy. I don't know what you're waiting for. <laughs>
0: Bro, uh, it come <laughs> on. Look like a man who wants to read, but also like Eamon seriously should ask me. You know, I'll, I'll read whatever you give me because you're totally my cute friend from high school. <laughs> wow! <laughs> I told you I, I'm drinking tonight.
1: Yeah, it's fine. late.
0: It's it's late here in
1: Berlin. <laughs> awesome. And with that, hey, speaking oh, of uh, speaking of our cool friends from high school, Fox, it's oh. Through one strontium dog. I wish, I wish
0: these were my friends (laughs) in high school.
1: (laughs) Couple, couple, a a mutant and and another bounty hunter and a crazy alien. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) A script robot, Alan Grant, has staccato art robot, Robin Smith, lending robot, Steve Potter. It's the incident at the back of Beyond. Oh, yeah. I. I guess,
0: you know, it's time to write on some definitely not chocobos into a town where a guy is getting, uh, tortured, like spun or... Yeah. yeah. Well... I mean, he seems all right with it, but spun around on, like, a a water wheel uh, for not paying a tax.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, this one, it's a strontium dog story. It's not drawn by Ascara, but I I think I'll take it. I got a very, I got a serious strontium dog deficiency in my life right now. So anything's good.
0: I mean, I felt like that, but also, like, uh...
1: Yeah, you know. But so, uh, Johnny Alpha, Wolf, and the Gronk, and, uh, you know, sh- also shout out to um, uh, Rob Gronkowski, the uh, Gronk here on Earth, who just lost the Super Bowl <laughs> the day after <laughs> we recorded this episode.
0: Oh. <laughs> oh. I didn't but, watch
1: it. I didn't watch it. You were in Germany, buddy. You don't know. I'm, I'm sorry, America. <laughs> But so, they ride up atop their morks, which as Fox said are these crazy two-legged bird things, um, to a town full of green frog dudes that are being run by the evil Karam brothers. They pass a guy in the stocks, another one strapped to a water wheel that keeps spinning. Um, And he's he's pretty alright,
0: but he's like, hey guys, don't worry about it, I'm just gonna ride this one out.
1: He's very philosophical about it, for sure. They go to uh, the bar to get some Mac Mac, but it's um, both expensive and then heavily taxed. They try to and drink. And
0: also, they didn't pay for their fucking drinking tax. Come on, guys. Yeah, they
1: got to have a license and then pay a tax. They got, it's the double whammy. Yeah, the Karen the brothers themselves show up to enforce this and like shoot the drink out of Johnny Alpha's hands and stuff. Which, I will be honest,
0: if I was Johnny Alpha, I'd just throw a time bomb. And i yeah. like 10 of these dudes and be like, all right, well, I'm going to drink this Mac Mac now.
1: Totally. Yeah, no, these guys are clearly evil bullies, and Wolf is about to take them down. But Johnny says they're just passing through and don't want any trouble. So he kind of keeps this up. He kind of keeps that line going as they like go and eat dinner at a local boarding house where Gronkast uh, is asleep <laughs> in a kennel. <laughs> I, I was
0: gonna, I was going to say, it seems more likely to me that he's just trying to get some freedom. Room and board and food and maybe a drink.
1: <laughs> I think he's just like, yeah, well, you know, he just doesn't want to, he just doesn't want to fight him. And they're on their way to a whole other bounty to do, you do gun play with these randoms. But it's not up to him because the widow owner of the place is really angered by Johnny Alpha's live and let live attitude. She wants a carom's out. And that morning, Johnny and Wolf wake to the sound of, of gunshots as the widow has stolen Johnny's pistol and is drawn down three on the caroms.
0: Which is a pretty serious character. Yeah,
1: man. A four will take down a mountainside for sure. Um, so before the, the caroms can kill the widow, uh, Johnny intervenes. He tried to leave well enough alone, but these caroms have pushed him too far. Make your play. All I gotta say is, what make your play basically means
0: is I'm gonna shoot you in the chest. Well, to time bomb yeah. and your friends, while my buddy smashes them to death with a sledgehammer. I mean, he so, lets the
1: sheriff draw first, but he's just way <laughs> too slow for Johnny. You know,
0: I'm just saying, maybe yeah. just don't go toe to toe with a strong team dog because I feel like yeah, not gonna, gonna end well. Dogs are really mm. not great. Or Johnny Alpha and all the strontium dogs are real
1: dangerous. I think they're all pretty dangerous. Yeah, the battle ends ends in a snap.
0: Aliens and also
1: mutants. Totally. Um, And uh, the caroms are basically all dead and the town is freed. The boys accept their thanks, but they ride out. Because like they said, they're just passing through. Wow, wow! wow, I just love whenever you know. One of my favorite things about Strontium Dog is just the uh, the sci fi westernness of it. That it's a it's a totally sci fi thing. There's like one you know, Wolf is the only regular human in this whole story. But basically, this whole thing could base could be a story. Yeah, could star Clint Eastwood and um, a and, German man with
0: a mallet. yeah,
1: or Lee Van Cleef or whatever else you know, <laughs> like. It doesn't I'm have like, to be like you know. It's 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 not a big space opera story. It's just kind of like here's like a bunch of here's a bunch of dudes in like the frontier, like gunning out. You know.
0: I can respect that, but also I really like it when Wolf smashes a dude with Agreed. a hammer. Oh so, yes. I I mean I like me some D and D. I guess is what I'm
1: saying. <laughs> totally. And uh, speaking of uh, silly games, Fox, it's Thrill to Spot the Difference. Did you uh, spot the difference? Did you like spot eight, it? Yeah, there's like eight different differences here, man. This is just a puzzle with two rogue trooper panels with some differences, speech bubble stuff, shell casings, grenade pins, all kinds of junk.
0: You know what's not good is when you don't have a chip in your backpack, because then it's not your backpack.
1: That's true. You know what is good, Fox?
0: What is good? Thrill 3, Nemesis the Warlock. Absolutely correct, and I read every single box because every single box also came with an amazing picture by guess who? Kevin
1: O'Neill. That's right, yeah. Scripture about Pat Mills, art about Kevin O'Neill, lettering about Steve Potter. It's the secret life of the Blitz Spear. Nemesis the Warlock is back! Oh my god, they all evolved from the
0: same Trilobite. <sighs>
1: you should really everybody should really check out like our facebook or our twitter feeds for this issue yes because i'm gonna try to put this whole thing in there and oh man it's just real amazing um the art's it's real beautiful. good beautiful yeah it's really kev o'neill at his best like hr geiger slash Hieronymous boss but Bosch best <laughs> um and it's it's, nice.
0: that's actually a really apt
1: oh yeah no, i'm i'm smart right. um you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, they're, and they're, they're telling the backstory of the Blitzspear, uh, Nemesis's ship. So apparently the Blitzspears are all animals descended from the same ancestor as, like, the Warlocks. They, lay, they're living rocket ships that hang out in lava flows. They lay their eggs on floating rocks and they eat microscopic, scary looking lava flies with their whale-like ba- baleen that then lead to terrifying rotor engines.
0: It's like they're awesome whales. Oh, you so can cool! To their brain,
1: yeah. And control them with they're, magic. Yeah, they're like whales with jet exhausts on the on the backs of them, and yeah, it's uh. the best. Nemesis and is then you also get to meet
0: Nemesis'
1: dad. Nemesis' dad, bro, is gigantic. He's got awesome giant moose horns and a staff yeah. covered in eyes. <laughs> he is. Definitely
0: 100% antlers and also 100% warlock.
1: Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so he tells Nemesis to capture Seth, who's a particularly dope young blitz spe- spear. Nemesis does so riding the beast through a maze of floating asteroids, dodging its its a deadly poison exhaust, and finally entering its cockpit-like brainstem where the two bond physically and they
0: definitely totally get along not that someone is psychically forcing it to get along
1: i feel like nemesis doesn't make any doesn't like you know tell any or or make any excuses for the fact that he's, he that he psychically dominated uh seth until he could bring it in and and corral it you know i guess
0: what i'm saying is that i wouldn't mind being psychically dominated <laughs>
1: I'm just saying that 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 Seth coming along willingly—that's the kind of lie a human would tell. Fox, oh, oh. <laughs> next but, uh, level, Conrad, totally. But I feel like this um, scene actually—it really reminded me of that one part in uh, Avatar, the James Cameron oh, movie, every where- part? Well, yeah, every part, but all, but especially that. There's that one part where uh, the blue dude has to like tame that one big dragon monster and does it Are by you sort of jumping that on its
0: back. Avatar stole from Nemesis the Warlock.
1: I mean, I'm saying it, 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 it borrowed from something, but I'm just saying that, like, if you wanted to see, like, a, <laughs> a motion based version of this, that's cool. You know, in, in isolation, I feel like that part yeah. was pretty cool in in, in Avatar.
0: I don't want to get I into I really it. liked out of this was that it was a left-to-right comic as mm-hmm. opposed to an up-to-down. Mm. Like, uh, what I really like is use of space when it comes to art.
1: Yeah, there's uh, two...
0: Especially subversion of expectations.
1: Totally, yeah. There's, like, um, I think this is, like, a it's, like, a five-page, or, or, like, a six-pager, but two of the exactly. pages are two big, like, full-page um like images that are really neat. Yeah, so after after Nemesis catches Seth, they take it back to like the uh it's like the I don't know, the steelworks or something where basically they um clad it in living metal and replace its blood with with a fire and stuff and has a cool <laughs> canopy We're attached definitely- to the top magic metal there's a lot of there's a lot of magic going on here mixed in with the technology but it's basically just turning this um you know jet-powered uh uh rocket whale into a spaceship and oh it's so cool (laughs) there is there is nothing wrong with turning a
0: space field rocket whale into a definitely double space field rocket whale with
1: super magic uh metal Look, there's nothing wrong with doing that. That's not that's not um, overweighed by what's right about doing that. <laughs> that's what I'm all, saying.
0: all I'm saying is you get it this super cool coat of of metal, and mm-hmm. then sometimes it sheds it, and then oh, by the way, hashtag uh, everybody steals this metal.
1: Uh, yeah, it's like a key. shedding. because yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, it's a key, um, like like the shedded husks of old of a blitz spears is a key um, ingredient in a terminator armor. So even the enemy uses the skin of these ships, which I think is pretty cool too. I agree. But yeah, straight so, up, I love Nemesis. It's real good, man. I can't wait until '83 when we finally get back in full swing with Nemesis. I want a blitz sphere. Is that so bad? I mean, no, it's not bad, but I don't know. I don't think you, I don't think you're going to get it, buddy. Sorry to tell you. Listen, I'm all about magma and whatever. Also next. <laughs> well, yeah. So the Blue is born, the beginning dot dot dot. And you know what else is starting, Fox? It's through a four bargain buy. <laughs> <laughs> This was kind of a you know this is an uncredited text future shock. I thought it was kind of interesting. Um on a far-off planet Lotus B Driftwood has sold a planet to a couple looking for an out-of-the-way place to live, a planet called Earth. Um but you know, there ends up being the wrinkle that Driftwood didn't know that Earth was inhabited and he de- and he didn't even really have the right to own it because he's like a con man who just like sells places out in the frontier to unwitting rubes. But selling an 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 inhabited planet is a big no-no. So he starts kind of this grand plan to con the people of Earth into evacuating the planet because of an incoming meteor um, before the couple he sold it to could move in. Um, But And that sounds like it could be an interesting thing. But then it turns out that actually word has gotten back... Uh, or, or that the rubes have learned of Earth's inhabited um, status through other channels and have reported drift, uh, Lotus Be Driftwood to the space authorities, so instead he just decides to land on Earth and mix it with the humans living in there.
0: All I'm saying is that for a three-page feature shot, this could have been a three-page feature shot.
1: Yeah, you know, you know, I just like stuff about con artists, so I thought this one was, was, was pretty fun. Anyhow. I just, I just <laughs> didn't want to read five I columns, yeah, six I know. columns. I know, you know, these Americans, but, uh, anyhow. <laughs> speaking of, a uh, continual, uh, fixtures in these annuals, Fox, it's three or five Robusters.
0: It's awesome. It's
1: ridiculous. It's ABC warriors. Actually. Yeah. So yes. script, <laughs> script robot, Alan Moore, art robot, Brian Talbot, letting robot, Steve Potter, old red eyes is back is the name of this story. It's another Alan Moore Robuster story. He wrote, he wrote one in the 82 annual as well. Uh, this time, an I-beam is dropped straight onto Hammerstein's head, and he has a full flashback to his ABC Warrior days. I, I don't
0: know if it's a good idea to ever drop Something on a war robot's fucking head.
1: I mean, the intro to this story is pretty funny because it says, like, subsection 27B says all workers must wear um, hard hats at construction sites except for robots. That's (laughs)
0: probably real except for the subsection. Mm -hmm. Like, that feels right given that my. Parents were in. No, you gotta wear a hard hat, man. You, you gotta definitely 100% wear a hard hat on a thing, but also just, I feel like the subsection should be like, don't drop it on like an old
1: war Yeah, watch space. out for Wardroid, sure, because now uh, he's in his ABC warrior days, he's blasting everything because um, he thinks that the Volgons are attacking. I'm so happy about this for so many reasons. (laughs) He blows up the construction site and Howard Quartz is not pleased. He sends a mechquake after Hammerstein to take him out.
0: The first awesome thing, which the entire time I'm I'm listening to this, I know that everyone thinks that uh Matt Quakes in like a ha, ha, bright boss kind of thing, but I just kept reading it in like a child's voice. Which oh, that's makes Met Quake's so much more interesting. It's like ha ha like <laughs> just going after people as a neurotic murder yeah. child.
1: I was anyway. think it was sounding like as, as as sounding like a Beavis from Beavis and Butthead. Um that which is, is which is what uh this, the, actually the voice that, that Pat Mills has co signed on <laughs> in other situations. Great, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, Hammerstein's taking out London Fox. He's calling out for Black Blood to take him down, and Rojas is headed to local police station to help. For help, because he want, he needs the police station's uh, sniping instructor, Joe Pineapples. Uh, also,
0: if you didn't think that Rojas uh, had a heart after helping like an orphan and doing all this nice stuff for random people because he smelled weird and was kind of a dick, well, like, hey, he's a pretty nice guy and it was yeah. Rose, but yeah, also man. Joe Pineapples, A1 motherfuckers, mm-hmm. A1.
1: One. Yeah. Will Joe help save his old comrade? A one indeed. So, as Mechquake bears down on Hammerstein, Joe takes aim and with one shot collapses a wall that stops Mechquake and then shoots Hammerstein and then ricochets and shoots Hammerstein straight through the forehead, stopping his rampage.
0: S&S, dude, you gotta, like, shoot a brick wall to fall on top of uh, a giant robot that's gonna crunch your definitely war buddy.
1: Hey, one shot, one kill, buddy. Um, so after some, after some light threatening by Pineapples and the police chief, uh, Quartz agrees to have Hammerstein fixed, and all is well that ends hey. well.
0: Hey, he's a war hero. You better not scratch his paint, I guess.
1: Fox, I'll uh, whet your appetite by letting you know that at least one character from each of the first three comics that we've read in this annual will be back in progs by the end of 1983. Fuck you. That's amazing. I won't say who, although you can probably guess the first two. <laughs> uh,
0: I'm really excited.
1: <laughs> Anyhow, hey, speaking of Alan Moore Comics, Fox, it's Thrill 6, Rogue Trooper.
0: I so I will tell you this much. Mm-hmm. Knowing that uh Alan Moore was part of this,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh possibly my favorite Alan Moore comic book in two thousand AD.
1: Interesting. So like, I mean, I... Uh
0: in a real sense, just from like a visual perspective, which I imagine knowing Moore's kind of taste, but also how it ends, it's just
1: yeah. It's like, got some stuff. You know, I don't, yeah. I would I, w- I would disagree, but um, there's no account. Yeah. You know, everybody's got their own. That
0: was fun. Oh yeah, I don't know. No. Come at me, bro.
1: I mean, I like that holiday in hell one. That was the first one, but that was really good. And oh, that's honestly, true. I like that. And kid like what
0: ate dog food. or no? Who got yeah, yeah, dog food.
1: And then I like the one where the uh the soup the, the supervillain academy. That's a really good one. Oh, I thought. that's
0: really good. That is yeah. well.
1: Anyhow, yeah, but, you know, they're all good, you know, they're all good, kinda, of, you know, it's so weirdo, master of the form, dude. But, so, yeah, uh, script robot Alan Moore, art robot Brett ewins uh, Leading robot Bill Nuttall, lots of Alan Moore this, this annual. We see mm. a young Souther with Pray for War written on his helmet doing a solitary scouting mission behind Nort lines. I want to say also that because just because of Brett Ewan's art, there's a lot of... And um, and this guy's um, helmet that says Pray for War on it, it's a very bad company-feeling start as well. Oh, which, absolutely. Well, Fox, you, you aren't going to get that for like 200 more progs, but just FYI to everybody. But, <laughs> wait, but you bed company right i mean that's what i thought it was all no just not the like band delicious. dude the thrill oh. that we're going to get to eventually oh it's going to oh, be good okay. okay now i'm actually kind of sorry i don't want to spoil you I'm, I'm trying not to spoil you too much i just mentioned them a lot when, when brett, brett Ewan just draws these rogue trooper ones um you're a beautiful boy let's yeah, keep I'm going trying my best but so uh Pray for war, scouting behind uh, Nort lines. He's quickly caught unaware by Rogue Trooper. Duh! Uh, yeah. <laughs> the two of them team up and head for the safety of the Twisted Zone. And as they um, and they share their different views of the war, Rogue is of course weary of conflict, while Pray for War loves the fighting. Hence the helmet. And he's a bit of a weirdo.
0: But guess what's even weirder?
1: Yeah, they come across a pack of Waldo's, which is these Uh, weird tomb-esque
0: inspired, beautiful
1: uh, everything. Yeah, they're they're, they're these weird baby dudes in ostrich-like domed Walker things, Uh, and one of them attacks. Uh, Rogue's gun doesn't work, but he tosses a liquid oxygen bomb at it, freezing it and allowing him to smash the dome and killing it instantly. All thanks to
0: Backman, who's like, hey, man, guess what? They're real weak to this shit. And he's like, I'll use my elemental powers.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, ba- that's Backman, man. He's J-O-T-S, Johnny on the Spot. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> it, it turns out that the Waldo pack was, the, was was Outriders for a Nort convoy full of women and children.
0: Which, hey, you know what? It's Christmas time. Yeah. They got to go and see their families. Now they're going back.
1: Yeah, they're on their way to visit their fathers for Christmas, and you know, this is sort of to remember our time frame that usually annuals were given out, like, as, mm. um, Christmas gifts. It's um, beautiful. So it's a good, like, crossover kind of thing here. Um, uh, Pray for War wants to take down the convoy, but Rogue objects, because it's women and children and stuff. The two men fight, uh, PFW grabs Gunner, and the rifle won't shoot Rogue, so he decides to use it as a, as a club, gripping it by the barrel and going to smash a Rogue, which is a bad idea. Wrong idea. idea. Yeah, <laughs> really wrong. Um, Gunner is bummed for having killed Prey for War, but Rogue says that Gunner only killed part of him. The real part, his humanity, had been killed long ago by the war. I actually... Uh
0: if there is something that I think Rogue Trooper is going for in terms of um, narrative, I think someone mm-hmm. who... Uh, so I've, I've never been able to 100% connect with Rogue Trooper this the way that, say, you have, or I think that the way that the general community has, mm-hmm. um, given the time that most of the people who read this grew up. Sure. Um, this definitely hits that with... A way that i feel like you see this guy who rogue rogue is always trying to protect southers yeah and in this case can't because this person is dick <laughs> yeah for sure, and I, I, I actually, I really enjoyed this a lot for that reason. Yeah, and I mean, also Cyber Babies.
1: Yeah, the Waldo's were pretty awesome. They have a very like a Modoc feel to me, I guess. Yes, <laughs> but like, yeah, I agree that um, you know, we've a- we've honestly had this kind of scenario before in World oh, Trooper yeah, think- where he helps a uh, a Souther, but then something happens and they and he ends up having to kill that Souther as well. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like Pray, the Pray for War character did a decent job of sort of building up like how sort of war has twisted him in a certain way that makes him be like, oh, like, you know, yeah. Like when 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 Rogue talks about him already being dead because he's a soldier, you can, you can kind of see it a little bit more than we've seen in the past sometimes.
0: I think it's a bit more personal than like a group of people or even just like a, yeah. I'm a sergeant and... Rogues, the last of the fucking whatevers.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I agree.
0: It's it's just kind of like I'm rescuing a guy. Turns out to not be the guy. I know it's completely predictable in that circumstance, but
1: like how yeah. dark the dude gets. And I yeah. liked it. Yeah, I agree. So let's take a break from comics, Fox, with Thrill Seven Rogue Trooper battle pages. The mean arena designs in action. Inside Out World, living in the future. Are you doing all right there? Like, what's no, so man. There's 21 thrills this, ish, this episode. I'm going to die. Nice. <laughs> so first off, there's some pages of that that just recap the uh, tech specs of all the chipped gear yep. with personality profiles of the chips for Rogue Trooper. Fun stuff. No real information. New New information here, I'd say. Mm. Uh, next there's a page of three mean arena teams and the initial design submitted by readers that they were based on um, none of
0: which are weird vampire bros
1: but all right i mean those the vampire bros were indeed sug- suggested oh, yeah. 100%. by a reader 100 um, percent. the I'm ones i like here the most are definitely the uh the edinburgh executioners with their giant what? blade fin helmets
0: penzance riggers mf you fell into a a giant pool of garbage. Yeah, but
1: that's not the design, dude. That's the <laughs> setup of their arena. Jeez. That's
0: 90% of why I like anybody in Mean Arena.
1: That's fair. So uh, next, there's a feature on living in space stations. In this case, we've seen
0: on- this one thousand times before. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even lying.
1: It's just based on yeah, on sort of design pictures that NASA created in 1975. You know, basic idea is that you'd have a station that'd be a hollow cylinder, and you live in housing covering the inside of that cylinder. It's very similar to what's in uh, oh, the man. space station. Centrifugal the centrifugal the- force. Yeah. Uh,
0: it's, let's just do that for every <laughs> sci-fi annual that we've ever done. Can we please move past this? To the good they gotta ship?
1: keep doing space stuff, dude. But yeah, it's <sighs> pretty It's pretty similar to what's the end of uh, Interstellar, to give you just kind of a frame of reference. You know, I think it's cool... Oh. But I also appreciate how at the end it says that these things would be incredibly expensive and terribly vulnerable to being cut off from Earth oh, or a or, or something. Or,
0: because I know that a lot of the people who listen to this, at least if Mega City Book Club is to be believed, which <laughs> I do, um, please, for the love of God, read The Three-Body Problem. It's a Chinese book series uh, and it is definitely 100% uh, translated into English. It's real, real good. Read all three. It's a trilogy, and it's amazing. And also deals with a lot of the things that's talked about in this dumb, dumb, dumb thing that's from 1970 that they reprinted in 1980. Which, by the way, we've 100% read before. I've read
1: this. 82. Yeah. No. I mean. Whatever.
0: You know. I've read this same thing that they said. Okay. In like 19, you know, 79 or whatever. I don't want to read this again. <laughs> You do want to read again, Conrad?
1: Oh, man, I better. I certainly hope that it's through eight Harlem Heroes. You nailed it. Script robots, Tom Tully and Pat Mills. Art robot, Dave Gibbons. Letting robot, Dave Gibbons, because Dave Gibbons needs that second paycheck.
0: (laughs) Bro, I love Harlem Heroes. And if you haven't been here since the beginning when we were trying to figure out how to Make words on a podcast not sound like dirt. Let me tell you again, I love Harlem Heroes, especially yeah, the start of Harlem Heroes is the start of Harlem Heroes.
1: Yeah, you can hear it in our collected episode where we have all the where we Aww. have our our original coverage of all these th- um 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 progs.
0: Cross from while
1: <laughs> Here's the heroes flying high. Too bad most of them will die. Woohoo. Aww. <laughs> But yeah, this is this is the uh, first five progs worth of Harlem Heroes. It's fun to look back on it now, Fox. I'd say just seeing the differences between the various sports stories we've read. Um, yeah, like I'm pretty sure Kev O'Connor and um, um, in Mean Arena and the announcer for Harlem Heroes are based on the same guy. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, I think it's funny. I think it's cool to see the diagram of the arena and be given just a rough idea of how the game was played and start of the story as well.
0: Well, it's like someone was trying to show you that this is a, a sports game.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, definitely. Also, uh, now that I live in Baltimore, I'm a little bummed the hero's first opponents are the Baltimore Bulls. <laughs> Which
0: are, oh wait, no, those aren't the cops, right? that's the They are the
1: cops, yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's really fun though, just to see like all the action here. <laughs> Lewis being a living brain in a jar remains awesome. Mm. Uh, the first, it, it's split into two parts across the prog. Uh, the first three progs are in the first part and end with a cliffhanger, the player Zach flying out control into the crowd also there's a salty old veteran and the heroes named conrad king and he's thus one of my top 2000 <laughs> characters
0: i i will say this much like what's nice about this comic because i know that this is kind of coming off of the end of uh mean, of arena. mean arena and uh, like where this differs is that okay yes it explains like how the game is played and you don't really have to guess at it and if you're following through the progs you get a pretty good idea but what's mm-hmm. nice is that it it sets up the mystery that's going on
1: just yeah. a fairly
0: predictable mystery but 90 percent of you solving the mystery or dealing with the mystery is not actually in like the mystery machine it's in the yeah core.
1: it's things that are revealed during the course of play and stuff like that i agree let's well, let's uh, yeah. pick up uh, Harlem Heroes um, and finish it up during the second part Um, later Absolutely. in the annual here. And instead, go to Thrill 9, Judge Dread.
0: I believe you mean let's stop monkeying around.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I didn't want to make that joke. Okay, uh, script robot Alan Grant as Staccato, art robot Ian Gibson as Emberton, letter robot that Tom Frame. To Tom Frame. That's right. First of several appearances by Tom Frame. This this uh, annual. <laughs> so a beautiful man. Post-apocalypse war. A bunch of refugees are making their way across nuclear wasteland in what used to be Sector Three Hundred One when they are set upon by big crazy fang monkey monsters. So I don't
0: go through Three Hundred One, man. That's where the jungle used to be,
1: bro. Mm-hmm shouting only the word Key. The eight monsters dressed in tattered clothes attack the refugees, but run when the Siren of Judge Dredd approaches. One of them happening to
0: be in, effectively, a zoot suit.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. The survivors explain uh, what happened, and Dredd is on the hunt. He tracks them down, dodging falling rock traps and stuff when he realizes the truth. The intelligent ape citizens of Mega City 1, which of course include classic Dread villain Don, Oogie, and his gang, uh, must have had their brains scrambled by the nukes in the war, reverting them to some place between their primitive monkey state and their former sentient um, glory.
0: This is what happens when you make monkeys super smart.
1: It's got downsides, too. Dredd uh, follows them back to their camp where a devolved Don Ogi rules what remains of the ape civilization. Dredd rides in and slaughters them all pretty graphically, I'd say. He shoots yeah. one right through the head. We see the bullet go through his brain and stuff.
0: It's, uh, uh, it's pretty rough. Like 90% of this is just him
1: killing apes. Yeah. Dredd guns them all down, wiping out the remains of the ape civilization. He takes no pleasure in it, but the safety of the city comes first. A very grim outing for Judge Dredd here, and a sad end for the apes, who we've pretty, who we've seen you know, pretty much only just in specials and annuals since their introduction, I'd say. But well, mean, they were on the cover of the second sci-fi special, you know.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: And this seems to be part of another apocalypse war thing that was just cutting down on some of the crazy, on some of the more extreme parts of the judge of uh, a Megacity One, I guess. Um, this is also stuff like how they, how they reduced the size of the city by about half. That was just like, oh, like Megacity One from Maine to Florida is gigantic and unwieldy. So let's just cut half of it off and make it a little bit more (laughs) memorable, you know? That's literally (laughs) like the, that's literally part of the editorial reason for doing the, the, the Apocalypse War. What, by killing apes? And well, and so then also it's like, well, you know, do we really want to just have, like, these apes float? Like, I feel like John Wagner and, and Alan Grant might have been like, ah, we aren't really inspired by stories about these ape guys anymore. Let's get rid of them. How do we get rid of them? Ah, you know, we'll just, like, have dread wipe them out. You know, they'll have been you know, the Apocalypse War put them in a position to be d- wiped out by dread in an annual and so now we can just refer to that and not really worry about it going forward, you know? Fair. You gotta also, make hard decisions sometimes, you know? But yeah, I just want to, yeah, so I guess they just decided to uh, not do intelligent apes in Mega City 1 anymore. Now, regular apes, Fox, that's not idea deal yeah. that, that's got potential. Mayoral potential. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> Let's go to Thrill Ten Mega Stars in the Making. I love this. Yeah, this it was, was cool. cool. Yeah, it was three pa- it was a neat set of pages just detailing the creation of Ace Trucking, Rogue Trooper and Nemesis. It's oh. what you expect kind of out of an annual,
0: TBH.
1: Yeah, it's just a lot of like sort of here's some background stuff. Here's sort of how we figured things out. Um, we learned that, that Ace Trucking was designed with Bellard and Ellie in mind as well as the writer's mm-hmm. love of CB radio. Um, that we see like some early sketches of Rogue Trooper where he looks kind of, kind of like a, a rock monster. And, um, yeah. you sort of hear about how Pat Mills kind of made a real decision to move Nemesis into more sword and sorcery er- areas, uh, once it became kind of a regular feature instead of more sort of high science fiction.
0: It was real cool. Also, I really appreciate the early designs of Nemesis. It's well, it's yeah, really, he's a little bit, like, neat.
1: Yeah, he's a little bit more sort of dog like, I think. He's, a little, he's, he's way more sleek in the final version, I think. Like Absolutely. He he, he kind of makes a move from like Rottweiler to like Doberman Pinscher. That that that's my estimation. <laughs> <laughs> Doberman Pinscher shark. That's right. But hey, speaking of uh, Tom Frame Fox, it's Thrill Eleven Thark the Mighty. <laughs> Does a real good job of making some letters in a place. Yeah. So this one's this story is called Leave it to um Bert. <laughs> uh, King's Reach Tower, Tharg skyscraper spaceship is traveling to the cosmos, delivering thrill power to needy aliens, but Tharg has to go to a comic convention so the droids are left alone, and sub-editor droid Bert decides that he's in charge, and it's time to keep delivering progs to an uninhabited planet! <laughs> hey, why not? Aw, oh, crap, that's a lot of fucking
0: pirates over there. Yeah,
1: well, to- the Tom Frame droid yells at Bert for, like, messing around. And suddenly the ship, the tower comes under attack from space pirates. Hey man, he's got letters to letter. That's right. The droids surrender and the pirates take their most precious cargo, the 2080 back issues.
0: Aw oh man, it's all up in the storage vaults. So you can't just give that away. That's <sighs> precious
1: cargo. It's gone. When Tharg returns. He uh tells Bert to leave the thinking to him, and they fly back to the pirate planet to get those progs back. Uh when they do, they're greeted by a messenger from the pirates. They learn they've all decided to become news agents sell two thousand AD, Splendid Digworth Rig! <laughs> because holy crap, it's the galaxy's greatest comic. We can't just fuck around and steal
0: shit. We gotta spread the word.
1: Also, Black sport Binks wants to know if Dread will ever be seen without his helmet. <laughs> oh, no one ever wants to. I mean, don't give him the three pound note. I guess is what I'm saying. Everybody that's wants the- to. That's the big question. That you no. know that, and uh what happens in the year 2000? You know, when t- oh t- no, the title that and
0: and uh, why doesn't Meltdown Man melt?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, definitely when Meltdown Man was active, now it's less. For, it's less for a pressing concern. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the day is saved, and by the, the the day is saved by Thrill Power, and Bert is left to go fry some plastic cups up for Tharg's lunch hey. Yum! <laughs> I mean, yay! That's right. These robots are messing up. Speaking of which, Thrill Twelve Silicon Soul. Man, depression bots are depressing. (laughs) It's true. Script robot Gary P. Rice, art robot Alan Langford, lead robot Jack Potter. So, the dudes at Zack Jack Robotics, that's Zack and Jack, have finally created a robot with emotions. It's cool, and definitely not a sign of our coming doom, Fox.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's 100% not a telling of her coming doom, because they'll all be depressed.
1: Yeah, the robot's super depressed about being a robot instead of a real living being. Uh, Zach, one of the robot creators, then decides to take the robot out and do a series of tests to prove that the robot is in every way superior to humans, culminating in both of them jumping off a tall cliff.
0: (laughs) Um. All I'm saying is that if what stops the robot rebellion is uh, superimposing depression on all robots, I mean...
1: Hey, it works to stop rebellion for regular humans. Whoa! Oh, God, next level
0: commentary.
1: <laughs> so the robots discovered self esteem, but Zach, who is now in a sling and on crutches because of the fall, wants to be a robot too. Robots are the master race. Submit, beauty humans. Bam, <laughs> <laughs> You know it's true. Anyhow, uh, Thrill 13- yeah, 13. Oh, let's go to Thrill 13. Are you a jockbox genius? Answer, no. Hey, this is a 15-point multiple choice quiz about ace trucking and, CB- and space CB radio terms. I took the test, Fox. I got a uh, 70 out of 75, which puts me in the Tucker Trucking category. I
0: didn't get that, but won't share my score because I'm not going to just throw myself out there like some people. That's fine. Yeah, I got my score to flaunt it. You know, maybe fair. I got really good, maybe I got really bad, but Could I'm not be. saying I got really good.
1: Yeah, I uh, responded incorrectly to a bunch of space cops searching my rig for contraband, whatever. But hey, that's speaking like, of con- <laughs> speaking of contraband, Fox, <laughs> ah, oh, that's a good one. Oh, <laughs> Through God. 14, Judge Dread. <laughs> That's actually really accurate. <laughs> Scripture about Malcolm Shaw, art about Mick McMahon, letting her about Tony Jacob. So it's classic Dread time. We're going back to Prague Six for Frankenstein Two. Um, it's a classic Dread story. I'm sure I've mentioned back then, Fox, but just to m- mention again that I'm not sure if this guy is the sequel to Victor Frankenstein of Mary Shelley fame or David Carradine's character Frankenstein in the movie Death Race 2000, especially <laughs> since, well, cause like one of the inspirations the for helmet. Judge Dread uh. is clearly, um, Sylvester Stallone's character, Machine mm. Gun uh, Viterbo. For Judge Dredd, mm-hmm. so they mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. these guys have definitely seen that movie, so I, I could see it being both of them. I don't know. I'm sure everyone's going to yell at me and say it's clearly Frankenstein because the because the organ robbing and stuff. But I feel like oh, but you we've could had go different so ways. many Frankenstein. It's definitely the first of many Frankenstein's in the world of Judge Dredd. <laughs> but yeah, so there's an organ legger stealing organs. Um... Dread man, just to take him down with his law master and then the, um, anti- yeah, and then he's got a visor built into his helmet that lets him, uh, absorb b- bright lights. Uh, Frankenstein too is booked for receiving stolen goods, the very organs in his body. And I gotta say, it's really crazy looking at like 77 Dread in comparison to, to, uh, Ian Gibson's, like, 82 dread earlier in this comic, right? Just the change in the design, the size and the shape of Dredd's body, all kinds of stuff like that. But not the mannerisms. Sorry,
0: bro. Just because you're a victim doesn't mean that you're not a criminal.
1: I mean, that stuff is so essential to dread that it doesn't matter what he looks like. He's still dreading in that way, buddy. boom <laughs> Speaking of th- things that are essentially dread. <laughs> Yeah, more more judges. Thrill fifteen Euro Judge. British Judge, best judge. I love yeah. it. I love you, British Judge. Totally, yeah. There's a series of possible outfits for judges from England and the rest of Europe. There's a Euro Judge by an unnamed reader who's got a bunch of different flags on his badge, which is pretty neat. Um I really like mm-hmm. uh Mike Richardson drawing uh the British judge. Yes. Especially yes. because that one Correctly guesses that Britsit judges will have a lion on their shoulder where U.S. judges uh, have eagles.
0: what, what? There are Britsit judges?
1: Yeah, of course. I'm really excited. I mean, honestly, we're gonna see them way more in um in the magazine than in uh in the progs. But there's definitely a whole bunch. There's a whole universe of Britsit judges out there. I'm down. There's like there's some psychic. There's like a psychic one, or no? There's a Scottish one that deals with weird psychic stuff. There's like a guy that wears a trench coat and is very '90s, I'd say, but um, is like an investigator and stuff. And then there's the Brit said brute who just sort of punches things. It's awesome. Fuck yeah! <laughs> and speaking of punching things, it's Thurl Sixteen Mach One.
0: Oh man, we've seen this before. He can
1: swim faster than a boat yeah well yeah you know script robot nick allen art robot john cooper learning about jack potter yeah it's, it's prog 5 action from our man john Probe. i hold to
0: this that this is not the best mock one they could have chosen least I, racist maybe
1: yeah i mean you know it's a it, you have a mix in there but i feel like a lot of the later like non-one-off uh mock ones are or like a lot like you get to a point where the Mach 1s are either have weird, have either weird anti-Asian racism or they're like multi-part ones that you kind of don't have space for in the annual. You know what I mean?
0: You could have chosen the weird
1: one where he jumped off of a Montezuma's
0: Revenge-esque
1: ride. Oh, yeah, that was good. Space. Yeah, he, that, that he, he landed good. a, landed a mile deep in mud, as I recall. Yeah. <laughs>
0: All I'm saying is what you're remembering
1: wasn't this one. Yeah, that's true. But I feel like they're also just drawing a lot of stuff from, like, these really oh, early course. progs, too. And, oh, and now, that one was a little deeper in, you know? A lot of people who didn't see it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no
0: one saw this necessarily, and I think that's a good thing, this old shit.
1: Yeah. So uh, we start with Mach 1, with the Mock Man on Holiday in the West Indies he's forced to go along with international arms dealer or innocent people will be killed aboard a seaplane. plane Pro goes into action. He elbows two dudes so hard. They go flying out either side of the plane, which is pretty <laughs> really good.
0: Awesome.
1: Then he jumps out of the plane and holds onto the, like the, it's, it's a sea plane. So it's got like these pontoons on the side. So he jumps onto those and hold on to it, which, uh, distracts the arms guy that's flying the plane so much that the plane ends up uh, smashing into an oncoming lorry. Uh, <laughs> probe, probe feels bad about the death and destruction, but the computer warns him that such feelings are irrelevant. And, you know, generally... Oh look,
0: it's the computer being the computer.
1: Computer's a real jerk, and big ups to Mach 1, who's, a, who's who the uh, volume one of his collector Edition should be coming out two weeks after this episode. What?! we go over blatant racism? No, you know, I mean, they're going to put it in there, man. It's it's of its time. I feel like, okay, so this is probably, this is episode one of two in a row of me talking about how some of this stuff is of its time, and you just kind of got to go with it, and just, it's definitely regrettable, but that's, you know, they didn't know better, man. I don't know. More of this uh, next episode. (laughs) Anyhow, instead, let's go to... Thrill 17 Invasion Sometimes you just gotta shoot
0: a bunch of people on camera so that you can piss off Bill Savage
1: Always, yeah, script robot Jerry Finley Day, <laughs> art robot oh, Ian Kennedy letter robot Bill Nuttall, wait no I don't want to do that. I don't want to piss off Bill Savage, that's terrible <laughs> Yeah that's like the least thing
0: you want to do like ever, that a shotgun. That's magic.
1: You kill hundreds in one shot with that shotgun. But yeah. So invasion. Oh, it's our favorite. Fox. Um, I always and love, forever. Love invasion. So <laughs> <much>. <laughs> So Ian Kennedy is a really interesting drawing style here, um, yeah. Because I'd say a lot of it looks like it's maybe drawn even from like uh, like photographs or similar sources. It's got kind of a yeah, it's, a it's realistic meant to look,
0: realistic stylized. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's got a very style, yeah, stylized realistic look. Um, I'm not sure if that helps or hurts Savage all that much. Actually, um, I, you know, I kind of like Savage. Feel the me, same to be ca- to be really cartoony almost, but I yeah,
0: feel completely the the same
1: yeah so it's the year that 1999 totally <laughs> and the vogans are executing people live on tv at wembley stadium which has now been fully rebuilt after it was destroyed uh but when savage and, B- and bamber escaped a whirlpool in the middle of it way back in 1990 1990- in 1990 <laughs> oh man <laughs> never forget this this stadium gets real fucked up So, a uh, British newscaster is narrating the executions because he's a filthy collaborator. Not a good idea if you don't
0: want Bill Savage to throw a knife at your face.
1: That's true. Savage and Silk decide to strike back. Savage leads a raid on a clothing store, killing a Volgan squad as they go. And the next day, a couple random civilians are rounded up in retaliation. They're about to be executed on live TV when it turns out that, oh, they're all Savage and his crew that wore the clothes they stole from that clothing store to disguise themselves. <laughs>
0: oh, God, they're going to get you, I guess.
1: Yeah. Guns? They, that they you gu- didn't look for. No, they're like, ah, searching for guns. These guys don't look like they got guns. Oh, but they do. Oh man, we're dumb. Yeah, they, they gun down the Volgs, taking them out. Even the collaborator who tries to shoot Savage, but Bill throws a knife at him, pinning his arm to the wall, Starship Trooper style. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Good movie. Yeah.
1: Savage beams a message to the resistance, um, in all of England, and they ride off into the night singing, You'll Never Walk Alone, the first of at least two times this has happened in the Bronx. <laughs> And
0: also, not the first of two times in which Fox has no idea how to sing, When you walk through a storm, uh, you'll never walk alone. Uh,
1: keep you As you walk through a storm, you'll never walk alone. I think that's how it goes.
0: Man, I will look this up one
1: day. Yeah, don't worry about it too much. It's, it's super British. that This one, it's, that feels like a super British thing.
0: It it does, I just I feel like maybe at this point should
1: know it. You know. Well, we're here to learn about comics, not about songs, buddy. But speaking Fair. Of, <laughs> and speaking of things that we know very well, let's continue with Thrill 18 Harlem Heroes. Zach's going down to the death dive. Yeah. Same guys as last time. Tom Tully, Dave Gibbons in two, in double roles. Yeah, the second half of the first five progs of Harlem Heroes, Zach is saved from diving into the crowd and brain in a jar. Manager Lewis inspires the team by telling them that the rest of the team have been murdered.
0: Oh man, I love this Harlem <laughs> <Yeah>. Heroes.
1: <laughs> the heroes beat the Bulls six to one and Ulysses Cord in his awesome Uncle Sam suit gives yeah. them a brand new hover liner.
0: Hey, man, and, and not the first time that you'll see in a, I guess... Sports comic, a person who is definitely the guy who's like, I'll save the team with what my money and experience yeah. is definitely 100%. The
1: it's weird how, how rich guys scheme against sports <laughs> heroic sports teams also like to give those sports teams stuff.
0: <laughs> it's almost like exploiting sportsmen for profit is some kind of horrible thing. I'm looking at you, NFL, and also soccer?
1: I feel like they're all pretty exploitative. Don't worry about it too much. You know, um, I just want to say, I really love Dave Gibbons' art and all of these Harlem Hero things. Oh, yeah. Um, It looks Realism, man. Yeah, it looks so different from any, all the other stuff from earlier progs that we've seen, like this this annual, and in general, you know, you can really compare them sort of one-to-one with a lot of these early guys. Um, you know, the lines are really smooth and heavy. And the whole thing really looks like more of an American comic book, I'd say, than like... Um, Arguably. Than, than it looks like Dread or Mach 1 or Invasion or anything like that. It's really great. Well,
0: so do you think that's what he is going for, right? Um, like the Harlem heroes aren't English in yeah. any way. And are so this is something that I see a lot in, say like Robo Hunter or Judge Dredd is that there's a lot of um, particular vernacular that's used that I don't 100% understand. Whereas with the Harlem heroes, I feel like there's a lot less of that and a lot more of like an attempt at, at being this other thing. That's actually what I liked about Mean Arena. Mean Arena is about London football.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think they're definitely take, they're definitely trying to make these characters seem a little bit like guys, you know, a theoretically guys from a futuristic Harlem or something like that. I think a lot yeah. of this is just, is just Dave Gibbons' artwork. You know, a lot of his stuff looks like this and it's got a really distinctive looks and it's really why he's one of the big talents that gets poached by DC. Um, when they, when they basically mm. start calling for like British artists, you know, like him and Brian Bolland are the two artists that we, that, that have the most sort of realistic and what I'd say like quote unquote American style, but more sort of like, you know, have a very sort of realistic styles. And they're the guys that get, that make the big money and go over to America to draw superheroes as opposed to say like Mick McMahon who's got, or who's, who's got more of a sketchy style or like, um, Carlos Ascara, who, or, or uh, or or like Nasmo Bellardinelli say who both had these really kind of really out there super detailed styles that maybe aren't really that that are really different than what american comics look like i'd say. What's
0: weird i guess is that like i think at this point everyone knows what i prefer, which isn't necessarily this, but what i like about an anthology comic is Variedness,
1: absolutely. You know, yeah. No, so I don't want to say other things are bad. I'm just saying that. No, know, no, no, no. It that's really not what I mean. Really flipping from page to page, you can really like having yes. someone like 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 Gibbons in here drawing this really realistic style. Really puts it in a different place. Than um, even other, you know, than anything else in there, and I, and I and I agree that I think that 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 really makes the whole the whole anthology comic stronger. That everything has its own really distinct look and stuff.
0: Yes, and I I would actually argue that's something that I personally miss. I don't know about yourself about the early Progs, is that every time you flipped a page, it was just so strikingly different.
1: I think we're right, still like, seeing pretty good variety oh, these oh, days. Well,
0: I, so. I, I suppose what I mean is that you can see a differentiated type of realism between this and Mach 1.
1: Sure. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Right? Like, we don't see <laughs> realism the same way outside of maybe Mean Arena.
1: I mean, I feel like the difference is between, like, Escara on Dread. Um, yes. And then... Like, yeah, and, and then Mean Arena, and then Rogue Trooper, say, like, the humans characters you see in Rogue Trooper and stuff, and then over mm-hmm. to – and then, like, Ian Gibson and Robo Hunter, just to use sort of our more our, our most um, current thrills. Absolutely. are all realistic. They're all really different. I feel like that's always a really big strength of 2080, especially at this point, um, just that – you know, it's something that I feel like it varies from artist to artist, but I feel like it's mm-hmm. always there and there's really... There, there might eventually be but right now, especially, there's not really a point where there's sort of like a 2080 house style where everything has to look like, you know? I feel like it's yeah, way... absolutely. It's way more like that than in some... um, Actually, some um, American anthology comics, like, At, you know... In a huge way. Like Marvel's... American
0: anthology is like you have to stick to yeah. a strict Bible of, like, what things look yeah,
1: like. Yeah, because Marvel puts it has put those out. I've, I've seen those sort of when I was doing the Dr. Strange show every now and then, where there'd be like, you know, something with like four different comics in it and stuff. And while, you know, you can, there's some differences between the different artists and their skill levels and stuff, you know, there's sort of a baseline kind of similarity, unless it's sort of someone who's real famous and has a really distinctive st- and can get away with a really distinctive style. But you know, the changes are, it's, it's way different than the, than the move from say, Gibson and Robo Hunter to Ascara and Dread to Bellardanelli in Ace Trucking in One Proc, you know what I mean? <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Shout out to Stranger by the Dustin,
1: by the way. <laughs> yeah, I gotta get that going again. But anyhow, um <laughs> with uh spe- but speaking of things that that are um, from the unknown fox, it's Thrill 19, a danger to the skies. Oh man, I love uh Two-page future shot. Nice little two-page future shocks. Credits are unknown for this one, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, that was weird. Like the art style is really unique, and I can't really hazard a guess. And Barney doesn't have anything written. And I asked people online; and they didn't really know on Twitter. Um, but it's a pretty basic story: a UFO flies through the world, messing up people's summertime picnics and stuff. Jets are scrambled, and the craft suddenly disappears. And it turns out it's an alien teen failing his driver's license test. <laughs> <laughs> Always, hey man, our you know our world is just the back, the safe backcountry road of other alien beings, because we're just <laughs> stupid apes. <da-da-fans>. <laughs> <laughs> is that what it was saying? Any, yeah, totally. Sorry, speaking of crazy robots, we go to Thrill Twenty, the Robo Hunters Casebook, and Tharg's Mighty Answer Page. Oh so, man. <laughs> versus a four page recap of Robo Hunter action from before his return earlier this year which i find is kind of a
0: running theme through this particular annual which is hey recap on things you might
1: not know yeah i think that's an when. Yeah, i think that's an important part of the annual actually it's just you know it's a good place to sort of centralize older stories and let and give sort of newer either old readers a chance to reminisce like, we're doing, or new readers, a chance to check out things that that, that would probably be very hard to see in Absolutely. Um, in 1982. You know, 1982, it's real hard to see, like, the first five issues of, or the, the first no. five episodes of Harlem Heroes, you know? There's, there's <laughs> like, just physically no way. Like, it's not collected, you know, the, 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 there's no graphic novels, like, they're barely keeping like pages of these comics for posterity, you know. <laughs> Maybe if there was a comic shop back then, but I doubt it. You I know? mean, there's a little bit, but like it is something that kind of comes up as people as we're put, as they as more and more of 2000s history is put to graphic novel is just getting mm-hmm. to a point where it's like, well, okay, like where are the originals of these? And it's just like, well, there aren't any, you know? Like nobody thought to keep them. Like nobody thought like. You know, 40 years from now, people are going to be interested in, you know, Mach 1 or in, like, this adaption of uh, the stainless steel rat or something.
0: Even though that was happening in the 40s, FYI. <laughs>
1: I mean, mad. it always, you know, the, uh, the story of, um, of comic books, of, uh, you know, comic book companies being real jerks to creators is a is as constant as similar stories in the music industry are, you know? Fair.
0: <laughs> very fair. But this um, is like a good... I think this is a very good recap of
1: yeah of the, the first, first two,
0: two yeah, big uh, stories.
1: Yeah, Sam Slade's story of the Virtus Caper and then Day of the Droids. Um, I really love... Um, so, something happening right now that I really like is people on like the 2080 forums and stuff yelling at me saying that, uh, Sam Slade actually did eat human flesh in the course of the Blackheart Manor story. Because like, he probably definitely did, right? Like that's and like, the discussion we had. Yeah. And if it's, well, it, it, they say he says he did in, in the story, but apparently that's just the greasy hands of IPC editorial reaching in and keeping us from being great, basically. <laughs> i would argue that that is absolutely true yeah fair enough next up there's the answers to the spot the difference puzzle and the ace trucking quiz no cheating you rotten kids Well, uh, <laughs> no, you know not a lot of puzzles in this one now we've had a we've had other annuals that have had like a crossword and a chain word and stuff
0: okay with that because i'll be honest the next Uh, thing that we're going to get to is exactly what I love about annuals more than anything else. Agreed. Thrill 21 in the doghouse. I love it. When these creators make a newspaper, it's totally. always fascinating.
1: Yeah, the art, robots, colors is scary. I'm going to assume it's written by Alan Grant, and this is the part of the annual where everything turns blue. <laughs> I read all of this. I'm yeah, not it's great. Joking. Yeah, this. So in the Doghouse is apparently a trade magazine for the Doghouse, which is the uh, space station that the Strontium Dog works out. That the Strontium Dogs work out of, and it's great, man. It's got a ton of like little slice of life bits from the, from the, from, the, the Strontium. Dog slice world. of
0: Life, Recap, yeah. like fun, interesting. You get caught up in, in yeah. the world of Strong Tomb Dog now that it's taken like a huge hiatus.
1: Totally, yes. Not since like what, like 80? No, a- 81, yeah. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, but it's got uh, bounties listed. Uh, from Kerr, the Committee for Ultimate Retribution, for Attila the Hun, Nero, oh, and it. Jack the Ripper. Genuine article only. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's like background profiles on Johnny Alpha and Nelson Bunker Creelman. There's also a bunch of like guan ads, there's obituaries for kidney, the weird brothers, and Styx. sticks. Styx. And, yeah. and then it teases the existence of two other Styx brothers for future um stories, like breadcrumb purposes. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a lot of fun and it ends with a picture of the of a Gronk swarming, which is apparently when Gronks all gather together to fly between asteroids in their home system, presumably to eat them. <laughs> or what's left of them. Well, you know, they eat, them, they eat rocks, you know? That's what I'm trying to say. When they aren't, yep, like, yep. you know, chugging beers and doing push-ups at a campus events. Like <laughs> the Earth Grunk. Anyhow. <laughs> wow. That, that takes us to our final thrill. Thrill 22. Ace Trucking. <sighs> and this is another tech story. Script robot Alan Grant. Art robot Massimo Bellardinelli. Um... And I think this one's good, actually. It's basically Ace and the team. They're lugging fertilizer to a food factory when they get pulled over by the creepy jeepies, the Space Highway Patrol, who are looking for a band of space bandits. Our guys, uh, find those space bandits in the food factory. Ace is able to take them out by dumping their load of a million tons of fertilizer on top of them. (laughs) Um, Mm. And and then he's able to claim the bounty, much to the chagrin of the cheapy jeepies who then find a bunch of violations on Ace's ship. Um, hooray. Yeah, you know, it's a good story. Um, I'd say it's interesting to see some of these things written down, I guess. Like, you know, because you have to kind of do things that would normally just be the art in the story. Mm. It's things like, um, Ace's mm. internal dialogue to himself, or even just little stuff like the fact that GBH is written out in hyphens and in bold every time, which so I think is kind of an, inter- an interesting wrinkle. Um, yeah. And that's just, it's just hard to uh, pick it up from the comics. Um, after that, it's just a single page of the Space Trucker's Dictionary, which is always informative. And there we go. <laughs> Toss in an ad for the Weekly Prog, and we're done with these annuals for another year.
0: Aw, oh, snap.
1: <laughs> and so, Fox, the question remains, what were your top and bottom thrills for this, the 2080 Annual 1983
0: man, let me tell you, it's a four-way tie for bottom.
1: Oh, no! With
0: with Bargain By, Ace Trucking's decidedly textual ending, and uh, Mach 1, and also Invasion. And here is I know, here's the stick-up, because I never give Invasion a bottom.
1: We've well, given it a so, bottom in, in, uh, in, in annuals and specials before, I want to on well, that Well, <laughs> not by its own merits, let's, let's just say.
0: Mm-hmm. So, uh, let's start with Mach 1 and Invasion. It's really just that I feel like if you're ever going to reprint any of these and you want them to be the older ones that people are going to get used to, I'd actually suggest that you look at the way that they did Harlem Heroes, where it's about three or four of their comics mm-hmm. just in in one go for the entire thing where you get just like a hey here's who this person is or hey here's this team or Harry hey here's this stuff so you get some context. The problem with doing a one off invasion or a one off Mach one is that if they're not the interesting, fun, hilarious ones, they're just the boring like, why am I reading this invasions? So which is like, yeah. hey we shot some guys. I hear right? you like nothing hilarious happened. And in Mach 1, it was like, I'm glad nothing racist happened, but also nothing awesome over the top James Bond happened. <laughs> That's so, true, too. Like yeah. I, like, yeah, he did drag down a plane. and He did like elbow some dudes out of the side of things. But we've seen him take on some really weird people. And it's been amazing juxtaposed that to Harlem Heroes, which was great. I, then, I, uh, I
1: appreciate the elbowing. I gotta say. Oh, of course.
0: <laughs> um, and then tech stories. I'm sorry. I'm never gonna give this a break. Never, ever, ever, ever gonna give this a break. I'm not buying a book. I'm not buying a short story a novella. <laughs> I'm buying a comic. So, uh, anytime I, I know that it's there to give some extended, maybe, uh, like Christmas time fun for kids. Like once they've read all the comics to exhaustion, they've got a little bit of something else or if they're at summer camp or whatever, Just arguments I've heard before. I don't think that's a good reason to put it in your comic book. I would just put more comics in your comic book. Or hell, even puzzles. Puzzles are not bad. Just because I don't do them doesn't mean that they're not there to, like, (laughs) rack your brain a little bit. However, top spot, oh my fucking god. I mean, when Kevin O'Neill's on the spot doing anything... For fucking Nemesis the Warlock. Bitch, you better believe it's Nemesis the
1: Warlock. <laughs> this is the secret <laughs> life
0: of the Blitz Sphere. It's beautiful. So gorgeous. And everything's wonderful. And Kevin O'Neill, I love you. Please have my art baby.
1: Whoa. Fair uh, enough, though.
0: <laughs> it's so beautiful. Have my psychedelic demon art child and <laughs> make it beautiful. Because this whole thing was great. And... and Mind you, this is the guy who said that uh, planet whatever who cares was just a bunch of text boxes and not a lot of things happening. Colony this Earth was, yeah, Colony Earth. Uh, this is that, except every text box text box matters and also all the images are great and they're not taking up all this space it's like the images get all their space and the text boxes are like hey by the way these were trilobites and they turned into dolphins and those dolphins were lava dolphins and (laughs) those lava dolphins laid eggs on a rock yeah and also here's those lava babies and also they eat this like crazy krill through this Motor engine that's in their mouth, and then also these devil guys jump in their brain. It's like this is great. This is, what are you on? And it's
1: amazing. Yeah,
0: love this annual. Totally. Yeah, for sure. All right, Conrad, top that. What's your Oh
1: man, okay. Um, oh geez, <laughs> I actually liked a lot of stuff on this. Um, I'm gonna say. Mach 1 is probably my bottom, um... Fucking correct. Just because, you know, it didn't really grab me like a lot of the other stuff, um... Although this, you know, I'd agree that it's definitely the weakest of the reprints and stuff like that, um of all the mock ones. Yeah, I'd say for my top it's really I I love Nemesis as well, but I'm going to mix it up and I'm going to say that my top is uh, in the doghouse, the uh Ooh, the Strontium yeah. Dog newsletter. I really yeah. love that. And like I said, I uh, like you that. know, like you said I've really enjoyed a lot of these newsletter things like the also like there was that travel guide to Mega City 1 from yes. the First Judge Dread annual yes. and stuff. Um, and all, you know, all these are real fun. They're real fun. Just like, um, you know, they give the writers a chance to be kind of silly and talk about things in universe and stuff. And I think those Mm. are really neat. And also they kind of reminisce about stuff that we've seen in previous like stories that are fun to kind of think about. And I just think they're a lot of fun. I
0: think it's a really creative way to do a contextual, um, history for people that have missed something. Right? yeah like more so than the robo hunter casebook like if it were a robo hunter like article about like this guy blew up city or this guy we send him to a planet and he really fucked up like that that would be like this in-universe interesting thing that happened whereas i think when we look back to the doghouse or to the first judge dread annual it's yeah. it's like this in-universe it really feels inspired
1: yeah, I think it's I mix of, yeah, it's, a, it's a really cool way to tell those stories, for sure. Absolutely. And also, it's all blue, and blue is dope. I mean, that's just sort of how it goes in these annuals, where, like, you know, they reach a point <laughs> where they just all become one color, because <laughs> it's got to liven it up a little bit. Anyhow, <laughs> I hope everybody enjoyed the show. You can always find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or on our podcast site at Kratiline.com. Feel free to contact us at SpaceSpinner2000 at gmail.com. That's Space Spinner and then two and three zeros <laughs> on the 2018 <laughs> forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. Uh, on Twitter, we're at space Spinner 2 k For everything else, Space Spinner 2000 we should... Be there. Uh Come back next time as Sam Slade takes the pitch, Rogue Trooper takes on the Traitor General, Ace Trucking takes out a dragon, the Angels ah. take in the sights at Mega City 1, and Harry 20 gets his ass taken to the High Rock. Do not oh. Blakey the, t- the Pentax.
0: What
1: the, the fuck, fuck are you talking about? Exactly. Until next time, I'm Conrad East Fox and we are Space Spinner 2000 one Dig Do you really want to?